I want to welcome you all to this Bike Town Hall. This is our 14. Welcome to the Bike Portland podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Moss. We're doing something a little different in this episode. As you just heard, that was Oregon Senator Michael Dembro, the outgoing senator. Actually, he's announced his retirement. He has been the leader of something called the Bike Town Hall for the last uh, 15 years. They skipped a year due to COVID. Senator Dembro organized this year's ride along with uh, two House representatives, Oregon House Reps uh, Tui Tran, who represents a District 45 in Northeast Portland, and her neighboring colleagues district, District 46, uh, House Rep Con Pham also co-hosted this event. Uh, Rep Pham is sort of the de facto leader of it now. She will actually be taking over in the Senate, most likely, for outgoing Senator Dembro. She's almost a lock to win his seat, and she's already thrown her hat in the ring. So that will make her not just the new senator with twice uh, as large of a district as she has now, but she'll also be sort of the the new person that's going to be leading the Bike Town Hall uh, going into the future. This is a really cool event where Dembro and his fellow lawmakers get out on bikes and ride around the city uh, looking at cool community projects and talking to constituents just like it sounds. It's a town hall in the classic sense, but you're doing it by bike and checking out cool things as you go along. Most bike Portlanders will be sort of uh, familiar with that format of a bike ride similar to what we do on Pedalpalooza or something like that. On Sunday's ride, there were about 70 or so people. It was a really healthy turnout. Of course, it was a beautiful, beautiful fall day. We started at Portland Mercado. We did a route that was actually not that long, just a few miles, kind of a loop through the Mount Scott and Lentz neighborhoods. And we made five or six stops at different like nonprofit headquarters, street corners, public plazas, places like that. For this episode, I grabbed uh, my handy field recorder and went out and got some audio from some of the speakers that, that we heard on this ride. Uh, also, I was able to interview a few folks by bike, which is always fun. I don't know if you've ever seen me do that, but I've got this really cool little wireless mic setup that I can just ride right next to someone and stick the little mic in their face and we can have a little chat. So I was able to talk to two or three folks including Rep Fam, and it was uh, her first ever biking interview, by the way. So let's get right to it. This first one is with a person named Carol Ann, who actually I happened to meet a few weeks ago at Bike Happy Hour. Love how the Bike Happy Hour circles are connecting as I see people into the community. That is so cool. So here's Carol Ann, then you'll hear from a great guy named Otto Shell, and then Rep Fam. Uh, hi, I'm Carol Ann. like to ride my bike. <laughs> Why'd you show up to the Bike Town Hall? Uh, I'm in Rep Fam's district. Oh, uh, yeah, actually, I kind of came upon the ride on accident because I was just riding home and I saw you guys. So I live just down the street from here. So, and I love Rep Fam. I support her. This is an awesome area to live in. Um, as we've heard, like so many things are being focused on and improving all the time. We're really plugged into like the Green Lens community and the Tool Library, and then obviously all the different bike rides out here. So yeah, no, we lo we love living out here. A lot of passionate, dedicated people trying to make the community better out here. Cool, thanks. I'll see you at happy hour on Wednesday. Oh, hopefully. Yeah, it's good. Everyone should attend. It's really fun. <laughs> see ya. I'm, I'm Otto Shell, and I'm with the Oregon PTA, the Parent Teacher Association. I've also, I'm a constituent of both Senator Dembro, Dembro and Representative uh, Tui Tran, 
And I've been to a bunch of these bike town halls, and I have to say this is probably the prettiest day we've ever had. It's a glorious day. And what a, a, a cross-section of our community is out here to join us. So it's very, it's, it's a delightful representation of, of that Northeast Portland community. So. Anything specific about a bike town hall that kind of brings you out? Oh, I've, I've uh, been a decades-long bike rider, uh, worked in a bike shop to put myself through college. Um, I, I did a cross-country bike trip. I, little bits of this and that, and I, I, we, the bike community in Portland um, is engaged in a lot of different ways, and this is a great way to showcase that. So, and and uh, to take a, a tour of the neighborhood that you don't get easily in any other way, a bike makes that accessible. Anything in particular you're hoping to come away with today? No, I'm I'm kind of curious. I know in the past when we've done this, we've uh, focused on uh, improvements for particularly uh, dangerous spots and and what have you. So it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to hear what plans there are to make things better and uh, that's great it, up close and personal thanks Otto. yep you bet hi rip fam our first time uh, biking interview here yeah i'm so excited it's my first biking interview too uh, lots of years doing the bike town hall what specifically do you love about it uh, compared to your other ways that you engage with community I love being out in the community. We can actually, when people are trying to talk abstractly about some of the problems facing our city streets or even um, housing and the needs around affordable housing, I think there's just something about being together in the open air that really gets us on the ground that I, I find really refreshing and, and energizing. We can cover a little more ground than we can walking. Um, and so there's some things about riding your district versus driving your district that, uh, I don't know, maybe make some, some serendipity happen? Yeah, I mean, I, what I love about biking is also just the, the, just the coincidental bumping into people on the street. Um, I, I remember one bike, I, I stopped by at the Center Street Block Party, which is a bunch of neighbors who just close down their little block every Friday night, and their kids just come out, and they just put cones out, and the kids come out and play, and that's just, and so I was biking from there, and then I bumped into two more people, and I encouraged them to go, and it just felt like uh, it just felt like a, a small town. It felt like a community, and um, those things don't happen when you're in a car. You don't. You may bump into people and not know, but with on a bike you stop and chat, and and then those are the kinds of community bonds that we're gonna need. We're gonna need to get to know each other. That's that's how we're gonna build um, resilience in the face of what are gonna be really challenging times in the future. And one of your one of your colleagues today, Reptron, is on in pedicab. Speaking of accessibility, right? And so, and you mentioned the clean energy fund. Maybe, maybe by next year there'll be people on here that have gotten an e-bike through the rebate program. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah, I think e-bikes are such a great way to introduce people to bicycling in a way that's really practical um, to get your grocery shopping done or pick up your kids. And I just think it's actually a real anti-poverty mechanism. I think. Cars are really, really expensive right now. Gas is expensive. And if people can replace a vehicle and not have to buy another car or buy a car and they can survive on an e-bike um, or, or as a supplement, that, that can make such a huge difference for families who are already struggling to pay for groceries and all their other expenses. So who's, the, who's your passenger today? You have someone on your bike with you? Yes, I have my daughter, Maya, who is in third grade, and she's often my passenger and co-pilot um, on my bike and e-bike. It's a great way to... Kind of get around my district and neighborhood and also get some good exercise and, and also chat with her. I love chatting with her and, you know, asking her what are the favorite gardens she has or, oh, look, there's a, free, a little free library. And 
I just find it such a great way to get a better sense of all the different neighborhoods in my district. Great. Okay. Uh, one one more serious question. Um, if 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 when you get elected to the Senate, how will that will that change sort of like your role on the transportation committee, or what's the what's the summary of that those potential impacts to your leadership down in Salem and your shift to the Senate? Well, I'm excited that it will ex it will double the size of my district, so I really need this e-bike to be able to cover the whole district. And it's not going to change. I'm lucky that a lot of my committees are joint committees, like the Joint Committee on Transportation and the IBR Committee is a joint committee and um, the Joint Ways and Means Committee. So I actually uh, feel like the transition, hopefully, if I'm elected, um, will be seamless. Anything else you want to share with folks today? Um, I am just so excited to be here on a such a gorgeous Sunday. Uh, I, we're crossing 82nd now, so I want to be really careful. But this is my favorite way. I mean, I wish all the time that I biked, I could have a posse of 50 other people. It just feels so wonderful to take over our streets and really remind ourselves that this is the right of everybody to be able to bike safely and, and feel surrounded by people who are taking care of them. I feel very safe with all the corkers, you know, uh, it just is, it's just a, an amazing feeling to be surrounded by um, this kind of community support. I mean, this is kind of the goal, right? To make it so that these, these feelings, this sort of conditions are just felt by everybody, even when they're not with a huge group. Exactly, exactly. And I think we, it almost feels like these experiences that are so rare, but that give us a taste of freedom. And, and I think that that memory of that freedom is what kind of drives me to to want to fight for a transportation system that, that we take it for granted. I want my daughter to just feel like she can walk across the street or bike across the street. And that's her right to, as she's grown up. Thanks, Rep Fam. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Hi, Maya. Hi. Have a fun day. Okay. Now let me take you back to the beginning of the ride at the Portland Mercado. We're going to hear uh, Senator Dembro, Rep Tran, and Rep Pham both kind of give some short remarks, uh, followed by someone named Jeff Hammerlund. He is someone who's in the School of Public Service at Portland State University. He's a supporter of the lawmakers and a big fan of the Bike Town Hall ride. And after uh, you'll hear Rep Pham speak again, and after she speaks, you're going to hear Jeff uh, take to the mic and lead everybody in a Pete Seeger's song about the importance of coming together as community to get big things done. Certainly we could have all gotten into cars and you know gone from interesting project to interesting project. Uh, that was not going to happen. Uh, well maybe we could have walked from project to project uh, but that would have taken you know all day. Um, and so uh, biking just made the most sense. And that is the real hallmark of this town hall. We're able to cover so much ground and learn so much in just two or three hours, uh, getting up close and personal to what people are doing to confront challenges and to make this a better place. Uh, so I'm really excited about today's itinerary. District 45. This is my first time, and it will be my first time to be in a pedicab. So not only will I continue working with Rep Fam and are elected to continue the bike town hall, but I hope to open it up to folks who, because of health reason or fear of fast traffic, may not want to participate with us, right? So let's be inclusive and include folks like me. <laughs> and I can't wait to learn about all the amazing projects that 
the area that we will be visiting has put in place so that our neighbors here are living more safe, the community is thriving, and the children would want to get on their bike and ride, right? Okay, here is Rip Sam. How are you doing today? I'm so excited to be here. This is my favorite constituent event of the year. But just as important as the amazing programs that we're going to highlight, are, it's also the journey itself, right? We're going to be able to see the state of our roads, the experience of bicyclists and pedestrians as they try to traverse this, this neighborhood, this district. Um, and I think that is as important as the destination. As a mom who tries to get her kids to school, safely every single day. I know what it's like for parents who are trying to provide that safe experience for, for their kids, but have to be dodging, you know, 40 mile per hour traffic and, and really dangerous streets. And so I hope this will be also a chance for us to align ourselves about our vision for transportation safety and transportation justice in this town. I just recently for National Walk and Roll to School Day organized a bike bus from Bridger to Lent Elementary School. dangerous and challenging it is. We had to cross Division, 82nd Avenue, Powell, and Holgate. <laughs> and that's part of the PPS school boundary changes, uh, which is great. I, I'm sure it's going to be great for a lot of different reasons, but, but there's also some realities around transportation safety that we need to be incorporating because that's one of the obstacles to getting our kids to school. We have a huge absenteeism problem, and if we don't invest in our transportation system, that's going to impact our entire schools, our communities, and our and our families. So um, I'm excited to just talk with you all today as we bike along. Feel free to come up and, and chat with me. Well, here's how the song goes. I'll just sing it. Step by step, the longest march. And me one, and me one. Many stones to form an arch. Singly none. Singly none, and by union what we will shall be accomplished still. Drops of water turn a mill. Singly none, singly none. One more time, everybody sing along if you can. Step by step the longest march. And me one, and me one. Many storms to form an arch, singly none, singly none. And by union what we will shall be accomplished still. Drops of water turn a mill, singly none, singly none. All right, so I hope you are enjoying a little flavor from the Bike Town Hall. Now the group got on their bikes finally and headed a few blocks south over to Arlita Triangle Square at Southeast 72nd and Woodstock. You might have read uh, last fall, actually, about a year ago on Bike Portland. I did a story when this thing had its big public grand opening. You might remember the photos of former Peabock Commissioner Joanne Hardesty dancing in the street when it opened. So the Arlita Triangle Plaza, or Triangle Square, it's so confusing to say that, two shapes. This was a former really wide slip, slip lane that the community has been working on with the city and a bunch of other folks for many, many, many years. And in the latest iteration, they finally just fully closed the slip lane to drivers so that now it's this really nice public plaza with like a stage and everything else. 
uh, one of the reasons they did it was to reduce uh, drive-by shootings, and there was a lot of other sort of like car vehicle-based violence happening around here. So it's a real great success story for the neighborhood. And the first person you'll hear from is one of the sort of like Peabot's main staffer for, that's the Portland Bureau of Transportation's main staffer for like public plazas and open space and community initiatives. His name's Greg Raisman, and I'll let Greg take it away. Uh, so welcome to Arlita Triangle Square. This used to be a kind of a slip lane, we call it, where you can avoid this traffic signal and come through here. It's a really giant one. They're usually pretty small. This one's 50 feet wide. It cut straight through and it created this triangular shaped island that's the leftovers from that old road setup. And it left behind this freeway sized slip lane. And the neighborhood had concerns about it for a long time, very understandably. It used to be about 120 feet for a pedestrian to cross this little slip lane, by large slip lane, either side here. So it felt very scary. Um, especially because of the speed that people could come through here. And then um, last year, uh, there wound up being a period where there was a lot of increase in gun violence going on around here. This mini-mart has um, been the victim of, of drive-by shootings multiple times. So from that, with the community and the city working together, they made it into a very special place for the neighborhood, as neighborhood advocate Machu Williams will describe in this next clip. We estimate conservatively in the past year, over a thousand volunteer hours have gone to like, making the space, operating it, and making it available for community needs. In that time since then, we've had over a half dozen uh, pop-up market events featuring a hundred different vendors from the local neighborhood, creating opportunity for artists to sell their wares and crafts and just create a space for events. And from here, the group rode over a few more blocks to Southeast 77th and Woodstock, an intersection that is right on the in currently in construction 70s neighborhood greenway project that Peabot is working on thanks to a grant from ODOT and some transportation system development charges. They've put together, I think, like five million bucks to do this project that ultimately, well, I'll let the Peabot staffer uh, share more about it. But first, here's uh, Senator Dembro talking a little bit about what it's like to bike in this neighborhood, and then he, he will introduce the Peabot staffer. We can see the improvements that are being made in our biking infrastructure. You know, this year is the second time that we started and ended at, we will have started and ended at the Mercado. And I remember the first year, it was not that easy to bike from my house to the Mercado. And today, it was just so simple. Uh, because of the systems that are in place, I felt very safe every step of the way. With that, I want to turn things over to Steve from uh, Peabot. My name's Steve Sigethy. I work for Peabot. Right now, you are standing on the 70s Neighborhood Greenway, a neighborhood greenway is a low traffic, low speed series of streets that provide safe, comfortable biking and walking access for all ages and all abilities. The neighborhood greenway network in Portland is now 114 miles. This project will be done by the end of December, uh, but then an extension to the north up Northeast 72nd Drive through Cully, that'll be done in about one and a half to two years and it'll extend the network to eight miles on the 70s network. That'll basically get you from the Springwater Corridor all the way up to Cully Park. So building out that network. 
Sounds great, huh? I just cannot wait for that 70s neighborhood greenway to be completed. And it's so fantastic to have folks from Peabot come out to an event like this to share share the latest details. So from here, we went over to a place called Path Home. This is a really amazing group that I'd never heard about and learned a lot from. They are doing, uh, they, they actually shelter families. So families that have had traumatic experiences uh, and that has affected their housing status. So folks that would otherwise be with their children and other family members out in the street, they're, they're able to come to Path Home and it's like this full wraparound service where they actually house the families. They have all sorts of mental and physical health and well-being treatments and all sorts of services for these folks. And from what I heard, this has been very successful, so much so that they are uh, starting a capital campaign to raise a bunch more money and create more shelter and more housing so they can take care of more families. Unfortunately, I didn't get any audio from this part of the trip, but definitely look them up, Path Home. It's a great group doing some excellent, excellent work. So from there, we rode over to uh, Crossed Southeast Foster and set up again right outside on a street corner to hear a little bit more about the business aspect of what makes a community thrive. So you can kind of tell the current through all these stops is really like, what makes a healthy community? You have public space and community coming together to address public safety in an innovative way for the in, with the uh, Arlita Triangle Square project. You've got the transportation aspect, the safe transportation aspect with the 70s neighborhood greenway. You've got taking care of vulnerable families and finding them shelter in a really cool place that's got like nature and things for kids to do, a place where half the clients are, are children who would otherwise be who knows, living in a car, living on the streets. So that's great that they have this shelter space for these folks. Then then this next stop is about the business aspect, the local economic development aspect of this. And I'm not talking about national chains and franchises and big box stores. We're talking about what's happening with like local everyday folks who live in the Lentz area, who own businesses and need to see their businesses thrive. So we're gonna hear from two folks who are deeply embedded in that work from the nonprofit uh, space. The first one uh, is from Apano, the Asian Pacific American Network of Oregon. And the next person, J.R. Lilly, is from the East Portland Action Plan. And, and pay close attention when J.R. starts to speak because he opens up speaking in, in his native Navajo language, which was really, really neat to hear. My name is Ali Yi. I use she, her pronouns. I'm one of the co-executive directors of Apano Communities United Fund, also known as Apano. Um, our mission is to unite Asians and Pacific Islanders to build power, develop leaders, and advance equity. And our team brings a very community approach to their work. They walk through the neighborhood. They're talking to business owners and managers and employees in the neighborhood. And we've really seen that build trust and lay a strong foundation uh, for our work for broader community building and resilience. For those who don't speak Navajo, my name is J.R. Lilly. I'm part of the Red Run to Water people, born for the Cliff Dwelling people. My mother's father is part of the Red Run to Water people. My father's father is part of the Edgewater people. Born and raised in Winder Rock, Arizona, capital of the Navajo Nation, arguably the best Native American community in the United States, but some may disagree. And I, I wear many hats. One of those hats include supporting economic development, economic equity here in East Portland. Uh, as many of you guys already know, half of the city of Portland's families that live below the poverty level live out here in East Portland. East Portland um, provides a large number of service workers as well as 
one of the highest concentration of workers for the Columbia Corridor. Uh, and it takes an average of person 45 minutes to get to work. And so there's a, lot, a big need for transportation and a huge development to our infrastructure. Um, so one, one of the things we're exploring out here is potential tax increment financing district. It's a pot of money where we'll draw, we'll draw some boundaries. The taxes that are raised, a, a portion of the taxes collected in that boundary will go into a pot of money that can be reinvested into the community. TIF is part of the equation, but we want to remind everyone that it's not, it is not the golden ticket that's going to solve everything. We need that. So from here, the group rolled onto the I-205 path over to Southeast Steel Street. As a lot of you probably know, that's where there is a pedestrian overcrossing bridge over I-205. It's got a bunch of colorful murals painted on it now. So the group rolled through that bridge over to a stop right out in front of Oliver P. Lent Elementary School, where we heard from a few representatives from Portland Public Schools, actually, and the topic of conversation was some of the things they're doing with Portland Clean Energy Fund investments uh, to battle climate change, uh, some of them having to do with planting more trees, and there was a discussion about depave and breaking up some of the playgrounds to reduce some of the heat island effects, which are very, very prevalent uh, as you get further east into uh, East Portland. So I didn't get any audio from that stop that I'm going to share in this episode. So we're going to move on right from that over into uh, who you're going to hear next is another few remarks from Rep. Pham as she introduces and we get back into a conversation about public safety. So the last stop of the ride was in Lentz Park. And here's Rep. Pham introducing Portland Street Response. And after Rep. Pham, you'll hear from a Portland Fire and Rescue captain named Chris Chris Starling. He is someone who's very, very uh, supportive of Portland Street Response, and he explains why right after Rep. Pham's remarks. Um, so we're here at Lentz Park because Lentz neighborhood is actually the neighborhood that was the test program area for a very innovative city program called Portland Street Response. My name is Captain Chris Starling, and I work for Portland Fire Station 11 just down the road there. Greg, do you have a toolbox at home? Uh, I bet this, do you have a drawer full of silverware? I do, yes. <laughs> so when you sit down for a meal, do you use the same fork on every single meal? Uh, no. Right, and neither can we. Things have changed, people's needs have changed, and so when people call us, it's not necessarily, it's, it's a different type of need. We can't keep using the same utensil for the same problem because then we're not getting the right results. If your tire got a flat, you, you don't call AAA. You, you find a different way to get what you need to fix. Well, we were AAA. Everybody was calling us for everything that was broken, and we're not always the answer. So it was no small thing that a Portland fire captain was out publicly talking about how much he supported Portland Street Response, and it was also really great to see some of the PSR responders themselves there uh, answering questions from folks and just kind of like making time out of their busy and stressful days to, uh, to share what they do with the community. So that's a program that folks need to really pay attention to. There are forces in the city uh, led by Commissioner Rene Gonzalez who would like to see Portland Street Response have a smaller role, uh, so that's definitely something to watch going into the future. So that kind of brings us to the end of the episode. We'll uh, conclude things here with one last question I had for Rep. Pham about the future of the Bike Town Hall. And uh, is it safe to say you're going to continue doing the Bike Town Hall? Absolutely. I am committed to continuing this and growing it. I want to see it expand and, 
and reach new audiences? How can we make this more accessible um, for folks who maybe haven't been on a bike and need some encouragement and support? So I'm really excited that in coalition with the city and hopefully with the transportation investments of the Portland Clean Energy Fund, we can make bicycling more accessible to new communities. Thank you so much for joining me on this audio tour of the Bike Town Hall. I hope you like this episode. I am certainly uh, sufficiently intrigued enough to try to capture more audio out in the field and then do this little narration thing. So bear with me and I will promise to get better and better at it. And my goal here is really just to bring you more of the stuff that I get to do and do it in a way that isn't just the typed word and the photographs. But speaking of which, if you'd like to know more about the Bike Town Hall, please do see the full photo gallery and recap that I published on Bike Portland uh, a day or so ago. So thanks again for listening, and I really appreciate everybody's uh, support, not just our financial supporters and paid subscribers, of course, of which if you're not one yet, you should be one. Because remember, at the end of the day, Bike Portland is community journalism, and it needs community to survive if you would like us to keep focusing on what's vital, not just what's viral. You need to step up and be a supporter. You can do that at bikeportland.org slash subscribe to learn more. I'm Jonathan Maz, your host, and until next time, I'll see you in the streets.